Hey, ladies, good morning. Let's get seated so we can get started with some really great stuff this morning. Welcome to The Nest. We are really um, happy that you're here this morning, and we are blessed by that, by your coming and being here. Um, Just wanted to remind you girls, if you have not ever been here or if you have been here a few times, our goal here at The Nest is to nurture, encourage, strengthen, and train you as moms to raise the next generation of Christ followers. Um, We are always going to stick really close to Scripture, and uh, Elizabeth's going to do that today for us as she talks. Um, We don't want to give you our opinions, but we want to give you God's Word. I'm Jill Moore. I'm one of the mentor moms. Uh, Let's see. We have got Jeannie Cox over here. She's another one. Elizabeth who I'm going to introduce to you is another. Um, Millie, where are you? Hi, Millie. Millie's one. And our other sweet friend, Holly, is under the weather this morning, so um, might say a little prayer for her. She's not feeling good. Um, Anyway, just wanted to say hey, and thanks for getting so quiet so fast. That was awesome. Um, Thank you to those of you who brought donations for Thanksgiving meals for the custodians and um, the faculty the cafeteria staff at RST Academy. Um, We still have a few needs left. Um, There's a box outside the door. If you want to help out with that, please um, just check out the Facebook page. If you brought something, you can leave it. Um, And the last day for donations on that is November 15th. Um, I think that's up. Yeah. Look at the slide for more information. And then our next Nest event is December 2nd, and we're going to be talking about being anchored despite exhaustion. Raise your hand if you're exhausted. (laughs) That's not even funny. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. Um, But that is sort of the nature of this life stage at times. So that's okay. And you're here to hopefully get some encouragement and refreshment this morning. Um, I want to... Oh, and registration for that day, um, December 2nd, will open in a week from today. So be watching your um, computers or your emails for that. Um, I'm going to introduce to you my friend Elizabeth Tamlin. Um, Raise your hand. Wave your hand, Elizabeth. Elizabeth's going to be speaking today on um, being anchored in freedom, and we've got a couple gals joining her as well. Elizabeth has been married to Ronnie for 32 years. She told me this morning, that's a long time. Um, So yay, that's an awesome display of God's goodness. Um, And Elizabeth and Ronnie have three grandchildren, and they have been at Watermark kind of since the beginning. So like I said before, Elizabeth is one of our mentor moms, and um, you can come to us anytime, call us, um, I think you have our phone numbers available for questions and just some encouragement anytime you might need it. So that's why we're here. Um, let me pray, and then Elizabeth's going to go ahead and get started, okay? <clears throat> Father God, we love you, and we give this morning to you. Um, we thank you for allowing each and every girl, woman, to come this morning and hear your truth about freedom and the freedom that is offered um, in you, Jesus Christ. So I just lift up my friend and I pray, Lord, for ears and hearts open to be transformed this morning by your word. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right. 
All right, well, I'm glad to be here with you this morning. Um, we've been working our way through a verse from Hebrews 12 that starts out, um, that just says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and we saw in the month of September, if you were here, we talked about when, whenever you see therefore in Scripture, we go back and see what was before that. And just the hall of faith from Hebrews 11, just the faithful men. And we talked about faith and what that looks like. So, um, and then the verse goes on and says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. And so last month in the month of October, our great speakers talked about simplicity, having freedom and being anchored in um, simplicity. And then this month we're going to go on. The verse goes on to say, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is just that sin that so easily entangles. And we're going to talk about just being anchored in um, freedom and not letting that sin just drag us down. Today we're going to divide our morning into a couple of different sections. I'm going to start this first part on just um, kind of like what is sin and and what does that mean? Because it, it, you know, it might mean something different to, to people that have been churched and people that haven't. And so just want to get that clear. And then we're going to have some personal reflection time just by you, you by yourself at your table. And then we're going to have um, a couple of speakers, that are, a couple other ladies who are going to come up and share. And then I'm going to come back up and kind of try to wrap it all up so that we can talk about that being um, anchored in freedom and how we can, how we can maybe uh, take ground in our sin. So I just want to um, start out. I'm going to go ahead and open us in prayer. Um, I know Jill prayed, but that's just kind of, kind of my MO. So let me just pray. Father, thank you for these ladies, Lord. Thank you for the gift of motherhood that, we, um, that you've entrusted with us. So we thank you for that, Lord. I pray for each person here that they might be able to just block out the worries of the world and the things that are going on and the exhaustion. And Father, just help us to focus on you and your word. Um, pray that I may decrease and that you, Lord, would increase and that the words of my mouth would be pleasing in your sight. And I just pray for each woman to hear exactly what they need, that they would leave encouraged. They would leave knowing that um, what, a, what an important job it is to be, um, to be able to raise children, what a gift it is and a privilege. And so, Father, we thank you for each one of them and just pray that you would encourage them now over the next couple hours. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I just wanted to start out with just kind of talking about what, what is sin. And we kind of probably all have an idea of what that is. Uh, maybe something to do with anything that's not of God or things of rebelling against God, or sometimes we may hear separation from God. But um, i got to get used to this. Yeah, let's see here. Aha, okay. We're not there, actually. Um, and so from 1 John 3, 4, it just says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. So anything that's not of God, and sometimes that's doing something, sometimes that's thinking something, sometimes that's seeing something and acting on it, and sometimes it's not doing something that maybe you're prodded that you think you maybe should do, or, or like the Holy Spirit's kind of prodding you to do something. So um, in Scripture, it would tell us that only Jesus is without sin. And from 1 John 3, 5, it says, but you know that he appeared Jesus, that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. And so he came and he was blameless, completely blameless. And I just want to share quickly what we call the gospel. So if you've come and you've never heard this, um, just take, you know, just listen up. And then if, if it means, if it's something like, I don't know what that exactly means, we would love to talk to you about that. Because sometimes in church circles, there might be like this, uh, lingo that you don't really get, and, and we don't want that. We want to be able to answer any questions you have and, um, and be there for you. So, um, so we start out with just, you know, what is sin, and we see that Jesus is, has not sinned. And so because of that, he's able to pay for our sins. And so you might ask yourself, well, like, who all has sinned? Because, like, when I was younger, and um, until 
uh, high school, I, I didn't really think I was a sinner. Like, I didn't kill anybody, and I didn't, you know, steal, and I didn't, you know, cuss, terrible, you know, using God's name in vain. So I thought I was pretty well covered. Um, but Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, um, and so, so you think, well, what, what, is that, what does that really even mean? So we're all sinners. We're going to talk about sin, you know, all morning. But, but from Romans 6.23, but the wages of sin is death. And that means we have to be eternally separated from God because he is perfect and we are not. But Jesus came to, to, to pay for those sins. So um, he, God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so some of this may be, sound familiar. Some of it you are grounded and you know what that means. But we really want to talk to you about this if it's something that you don't like. I don't know what that means. We would love to share with you. Um, because then it, it also in Scripture tells us that then we have a chance and we have a choice to repent and turn to God, that your sins may be wiped out. And so that's, what, that's the gift of God that he gives us. So it's kind of, I think, an important thing to just start with, like, what is sin and, and am I a sinner? And what does that mean? Who's sin? What, is, what does that exactly mean? And it means that we're separated from God because we are not perfect and Jesus is. And so you might even ask, like, well, how did, how did I get to be a sinner? Like, I remember when I had my firstborn, I thought he was, like, so perfect. I thought, this is like the second sinless person because this baby <laughs> is so awesome. And I thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then he got a little bit older, and I realized maybe, maybe there was some sinful nature in there. And there is, because God tells us that all have sinned, right? But if we go back and to, to the garden, back from Genesis, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. Now, the serpent, or Satan, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree, from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her. So I, I thought that was really interesting if we go back and look at that. So first of all, somebody, Satan plants a thought in her mind like, hey, that doesn't seem fair. Like, that may not be right. Is God trying to rip you off? So the first there's a thought, and it created, it, it's a lie, but it made her doubt God's goodness. It made her doubt like, wait a minute, maybe, that, maybe he's got something there. So it started in her mind, and I would say that probably most of the sins start somewhere in your mind. Some, some seed is planted, and you're like, hmm. Well, that doesn't seem right. Well, I, you know, and something like that. So she's thinking she gets ripped off. Then the next thing it says is that she looked and she saw that it was pleasing, right? So she saw with her eyes. And we're going to talk about that also, that when you, when you see something, that might be another step. So you think, you see, and then the last thing that happens is what? She acted on it. And so there are sins in the mind, and then there's also sins that we act on. So we're going to talk about those. But we're going to talk about that. Um, the scripture talked about the sin that so easily entangles us. And so today we just want to talk about how we can be anchored in freedom, freedom from sin, and not that we won't sin, but we can still be free because Jesus Christ paid the price. Um, I want to show you this little video because I think sometimes when we're doing sin, it feels right, and then sometimes we're like, I'm such a wretch. And so let's watch this um, short video, and we will talk about that in just a sec. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe. Mother would be so furious. 
But that's okay. I mean, what she doesn't know won't kill her, right? Oh my gosh. This would kill her. This is so fun! I am a horrible daughter. I'm going back. I am never going back! <laughs> I am a despicable human being. Well, so I think sometimes we do that. Like when we're eating the cupcake or the, um, the, we're like somebody's wronged us and we're, you know, telling them off or we're in a conversation with somebody and we're talking about somebody who's made us mad. Like it feels like, I, yeah, I deserve this. Like, yeah, this is, this is okay. And then later we're that, I am despicable person. And so um, that's what I want to talk about today. Sometimes it feels, it actually feels good in the moment. Otherwise, people probably wouldn't do it, right? So sometimes whether it be the overeating or um, drinking or yelling at somebody, telling somebody off, or, or sexual sin. People wouldn't do it if at some point it might have felt good to them. And so we just we want to learn how to um, just rely on the Lord and not give way to our sinful patterns. And we want to move from our sin to being grieved by our sin. That would really be what would change our habits and change our patterns. Um, oh, there it is. Ah, hold on. Okay, from Romans. It talks about having the desire to do what is right, but I just can't carry it out. And have you ever felt like that? In a little while, I'm going to come back up and we're going to talk about how to um, maybe be not quite so entangled with our sin. But I think about like when you're, when you're at the beach and you go and you get in the water and it's so beautiful and you stand there and it's just so peaceful and the sun is shining. It's, it's wonderful. And then you start to feel this tug of the undertow. And it's like, I, I, can't, I can't stand, I can't do this on my own. Like it looks good and, it, and, and I, want, I don't want to do what is wrong, but this thing is pulling at me all the time to do what's wrong. And so um, that, at the end of that verse, the last line, it says, who will save me, who will rescue me from this body of death? Um, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. And he's going to be our answer today to lessen our sin, to uh, take ground in it, to um, be anchored in freedom. And he's the answer. Um, and so I used to think of sin as just kind of the biggies, like I talked about, like in high school. But then um, when I was in high school, I was at Young Life, and somebody talked about if you, because I thought really like this was not pertinent to me. I know that seems shocking right now, but I just thought I don't do any of those biggies, so I think I'm good. But then this is crazy that, that this is what caught me is they talk about if you've ever been late, then you have stolen someone's time. And that's what really pricked my mind and my heart to think maybe I am a wretched sinner. Maybe I, you know, maybe I have done wrong. And then it's funny because back then I thought maybe I had a couple of sins to work on or and then now, the closer I am to Christ, I see really, truly what a wretch I am. And I think that is a normal progression of the closer you get to Christ, the more you see your, um, your dependence and your need and uh, your desper desperation for him. And so I just want to make clear that, you know, overcoming sin struggles, it's not about willpower. It's not about, like, self-reliance or self-resolve, like, I'm just going to commit to this and not do it anymore. It's not a I-can-do-it mentality. Um, it's not in your own strength. It's about surrender. And so we're going to really spend some time talking about that today. And so what we're going to do here in, in, in just a little bit is we're going to really spend some reflection time. It's going to be a few minutes at your um, table by yourself. And you've got a handout and you've got a sheet of paper. And we're also going to have it up here. But I want you to, to think about really what are the things that entangle you? Is it something from your past that you're not able to get past? Is it um, a sin struggle of... Um, worry or anxiety or uh, yelling or all the, different, all the different ways that you fall short of the glory of God 
would be, would be your sinful patterns. And I would say a, a lot of people kind of have like a kind of a bent towards one and not that it gives you permission because your personality just because I'm wired this way. No, that doesn't give you permission to, to go around and, and, and sin. Um, there's a, li- a great list of sin from Scripture from Galatians 5, 1 Peter 4, 2 Timothy 3, and, and I don't have those listed up here, but I, the, the list I do have is, are from that. But, I mean, they'll have jealousy right next to murder. And so in God's eyes, there's no, like, acceptable sin or unacceptable sin. Everything falling short of His glory is, is sin. And so, um, so there's the, big, the biggies, the Ten Commandments that we know of. Um, but then sometimes I'd say there's some sins we don't even really recognize as sins, like uh, heart issues, you know, if you've got a bad attitude or, or a sinful habit towards somebody or a sinful mindset towards somebody, envy and jealousy, not being thankful, which is sort of the same thing as being entitled. You know, those don't really show too much on the outside, but they're definitely, you know, in there and, and it's, uh, it would not be the best how God would want you to be. Coveting, white lies, sometimes we justify something like that. These are all ones that are not as easy to recognize, but they are, they are sin. And I would just say we all probably have kind of a bent. And, and uh, so, uh, you know, for me, I would say um, I grew up and I had, um, my mom passed away when I was 24. And then I had another good friend my, that my, uh, my husband and I had a really good friend who died when he was 25, very close friend. Um, and then, so I had the, kind of this fear and worry thing. And so even though I had some circumstances in my past that made me sort of think I have reason to have fear and worry and anxiety because of those things happening, it didn't give me permission to just sit in it and to just wallow in it, right? And so those are kind of the things that I'm talking about. So you may have something that kind of like, well, this is why I am the way I am. And that may be very valid, but God wants you to move past that. He wants you to take ground in that. Um, some of the other ones that are hard to kind of identify, but you know in your heart if you'll spend some time, would be things like being critical or um, judging others, um, lack of integrity, not doing what you say you're going to do. And I mean, I know you have little bitty kids, so sometimes that does happen, but you know, you know what I mean. Like if you intend, you say something you intend not to do, that would be integrity. Um, having idols, and you know, we think about like um, from the Ten Commandments, like not a little bitty wooden idol that sits on your desk. But do you have the idol of, you know, uh, brand names? Or do you have the idol of, I need, to have, I need to live in a certain zip code, or I need to do, look a certain way, be a certain way. I have an idol towards uh, my children being at a certain school, or, you know, all those kind of things are idols. Anything, really, that we put before the Lord. Performance, I think that's a big one for women, is just like, I want people to think, for, like for me, like, I want them to think that my role as a mother is really important. So I'm going to, you know, be superwoman and get all these things done on my to-do list. And, you know, performance, that's, you know, that's not what the Lord is judging us on. And so, but I think, especially as women, that's one that we all struggle with. And the fear and the, fear and the anxiety, because we've given, been entrusted with these little precious lives. And I remember when, when I was pregnant, I was fearful, like, that he's just, you know, is he going to come out and be okay? And then there's the whole, back then, you, do you lay them on their stomach or their back? If you lay them on their stomach, they're not going to stop, they're going to stop breathing. If you lay them on their back, they're going to spit up and, and aspirate. I mean, like, uh, just the fear and the worry about every little thing. And, um, and then he got older, and then it was like, do you let him, what age do you let him go in the men's bathroom by themselves? I mean, it just goes on and on, right? 
or even like then dating and then driving. And it just, so I had to learn to take ground or I would have been a crazy lady. And so um, for me, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, what really helped me was to confess it to the Lord, to pray a lot. It did put me on my knees a lot to pray for the health and safety of my protection, which I still do, for my children, which I still do every single day, multiple times. Um, but also, to, to, I, for me, I really turned to God's Word, and I hid it in my heart, and I memorized some verses that helped me deal with the, the fear and the anxiety. Okay, so as we go on with this list, some are harder to hide. Some sins are harder to hide. Like if you are stealing and go to jail, well, everyone's going to know, right? But if you are just, you know, critical in your heart, they may or may not. But it doesn't matter, because in God's sight, they're all short of His glory. Um, and then there's some that can be hidden most of the time, except for people that you're around a whole lot, like the performance, materialism, anger, things like that. Um, and then there's some that are quote, less acceptable in Christian circles, like um, maybe addictions or immorality or um, murder or witchcraft. But really, in God's sight, they're all something that he would want us to turn away from. And he is the answer for all of those. And then there's some things in the world that we don't even call sin, like self, being self-sufficient, self-righteous, um, debt no problem. Vanity, pride. The world doesn't even accept, doesn't, doesn't even re really recognize that those as sin. But in God's eyes, sin is sin. And so um, we just want to really dig in, in, dig into that and um, consider what sinful habits you fall prey to. And so we're going to spend a few minutes now um, and do that. And then, so I just want to say that uh, uh, another one for me was just contentment. And, and because I compared and I never compared myself with like the person who has, you know, a, no air conditioned house and they're all in one bedroom. I compared myself to the person with the big house and the decorated house and the, um, you know, they had all the everything decorated house. And so those are, that was, I think that's another one for women is just, uh, you know, the discontent. And now with Facebook, I know when everybody's on a fabulous trip and I'm not. And I know when you know, my child's been left out of a birthday party. Now I know that. And, um, and I know when people, uh, you know, on Pinterest, I know how fabulous a living room can look. And so, uh, it, you know, there's things today that make it, I think, even more, you know, difficult to, uh, to stay away from it. And we're going to talk about, when I come back up here, we're going to talk about some ways that we can, like tangible ways that we can take ground in our sinful nature. So I would love right now, I'm going to pray for you, and I would love for you to, to look at the list and um, look at, the, you've got it in front of you also, and, and just really spend some time with the Lord and ask Him to reveal, you know, the sinful habits in your heart. Father, thank you for these ladies, Lord. Help us to just get rid of the distractions and really spend some time. Reveal to us what it is that um, entangles us because, Lord, we want to be, anchored in freedom, anchored in your freedom, anchored in you, Jesus Christ. So um, I pray for that now and just pray that you would stir in our hearts what you want us to consider. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hi, y'all. I'm Summer Collins, and this is my mom, Shelly. Um, we, uh, just a little bit about us, we have been attending Watermark for a little over five years, and we are at the Plano campus, um, and I serve on our Nest team over there. Um, and mom serves in Reengage and in front lines there in Plano. Um, my husband and I, Jonathan, have been married about 14 years, and we have four kiddos. They are nine, eight, five, and almost one. Um, so just a little bit about us. Um, Elizabeth did talk about our scripture today from Hebrews 12, 1, um, and just did a great job talking to us about our sin. But again, that scripture says, let us throw off everything that hinders 
and the sin that so easily entangles. And so um, we're going to talk about the other side of that, the other things that hinder, and sometimes that is someone else's sin that sins against us. Um, And so just to kind of correlate that with our talk from last month, if you guys were here, Mandy talked about um, simplifying our life, and she brought up her husband's hiking pack and talked about how we tend to pack things in our pack and carry them around. And one of the things that she showed us was our past and how it was just neatly folded and we kind of tuck it into a side pocket um, and think that we can just go ahead and carry it around. Um, But it does really weigh us down um, and it can haunt you. And so um, with that, mom is going to share a little story about her past. (laughs) Yes, you can laugh because it's not so little. Good morning. Um, I was born an easy and happy child who loved to talk, I still do, Uh, from an early age. We lived in a very small farm community in Central California, close to my grandparents, aunts, uncles, and cousins. Until the age of 10, I thought life was very normal in our home. My dad worked in construction with my grandpa, and my mom was a Christian singer. I traveled on occasion with my mom. I kept her away, chatting away. She put me on the stage for the first time at the ripe age of five to sing Jesus Loves Me. My love for singing began early on in my life. We attended church every Sunday, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior with my mom and my pastor at the age of eight. I understood what it meant to love Jesus in my happy little heart. I understood what it meant to, oh, sorry, repeat. My parents were doing their job in leading me toward Jesus. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Our home life, I'm sorry, technical issues. Our home life and what everyone thought our family looked like on the outside couldn't have been farther apart. If my parents were under the same roof, there was a fight going on. My mom struggled with her anger as my dad left for work during many fights. He couldn't handle her anger and had to step away. He didn't think about what was going on um, as he left and where her anger needed to be relieved. And it was relieved on us. It was mild in comparison to what she had suffered at the hands of her mother. My grandparents always had an open door. They gave us a place to play with cousins and feel safe. Meals were prepared throughout the day and a big part of my family time, especially on Sundays after church. You could find 20 to 40 people eating together on any given Sunday afternoon. Everyone was welcome. My love for hospitality started here. 1 Peter 4, 9 through 10, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. My grandparents were teaching me about hospitality in every way, and they were definitely gifted in this area. Construction dried up in our little town, leaving my dad in need of an income. He drove to L.A. to begin training at the Los Angeles Police Academy. We stayed at my grandparents' until he graduated and then moved to Southern California. My family life got more intense as we tried to navigate our new life in a new city. We struggled to find a church home, My mom was invited to sing at a church in Thousand Oaks, California. My dad ran sound that night, and they met a couple that they clicked with right away. That became our new church home. We had the family over for dinner a few weeks later. I met my future husband, Kevin, for the first time that night. 
He was in sixth grade. My role in the family was that of a people pleaser. I didn't know that at the time. I would wake up early to clean and make breakfast, hoping my mom and my sister would wake up in a good mood and there would be a chance of having a peaceful, joyful day. Some days it worked. We took the trip to see my grandparents as often as possible, and they showed up at the door to help out as my mom traveled, as we needed to be taken care of. My heart felt free and safe when they came to visit. My parents didn't fight around us when they were visiting, and I got to be a kid instead of a small adult with too much responsibility. Kevin and I went steady on and off from the age of 13. Youth group events and holding hands was our way of going steady. We broke up regularly every six months like clockwork. This went on until I left for college. If it was an off period, we still had to remain friends since our families took vacations together and were the best of friends. My body was in constant conflict with sexual feelings I didn't really understand, but thought there was something wrong with me to feel them. Kevin holding my hand was all it would take to make me feel butterflies, to say the least. But my heart belonged to Jesus, and I was not confused about that. I had been told sex was wrong, and you wait for marriage. So why did I enjoy being touched in a way that made me feel so ashamed at the same time? Because I couldn't talk about these feelings at home. I didn't understand how much um, about what God had to say about temptation in this area. 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I didn't understand how to run from temptation. This would come much later. At the age of 16, as I was preparing to leave for a summer tour with Continental Singers, I had been working and dating and going to school. A guy I'd figured out was not a good guy and the only non-Christian I ever dated asked me out a couple of weeks prior to my departure date. I said yes, since all it would mean to me was goodbye. It was the only time a guy didn't come in and greet my parents prior to the date. I went out the door and got in the car. That night, I was date raped. My dad was a cop. I understood a lot, more than most, about what my dad may do and what a rape trial looked like. So I made a different decision. My mom woke up when I came in late. She was so angry and grounded me until I left. I was numb and didn't care. I had thrown any evidence of what happened away and put it far from my mind. Right before our group was to fly overseas, our entire bus of 42 musicians had been sick. We went to the ER to be treated before getting on the plane. I was taken back for an exam and asked if it was possible that I was pregnant. My automatic response was no. It wasn't possible in my mind. After a couple of minutes, the incident came to mind, and I had to say yes. I put the news away that I was pregnant and got on the plane. If I didn't talk about it, nothing happened. I was singing for the Lord and leading people to Christ. Nothing else was present as we traveled from place to place. God was very gracious to my heart. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. 
While my mind couldn't deal with the trauma, it filled with the knowledge and trust of my Heavenly Father. He knew my heart, and I knew him. I always felt safe running to my Father in prayer. Most of the time, I journaled my prayers. Other times, like being on the road, it was a constant conversation. Acts 15.8, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. It was the Holy Spirit that was used that used my life and spoke to my heart because I was still in his, his. I was his in the midst of my mess. Romans 8.27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. These verses remind me over and over again that he knows me and will always use all things according to his purpose. I don't have to understand his ways. When we arrived back in the States, I was separated by the rest of the tour. I didn't get to say goodbye to the 42 people I had spent months months with on a bus. Instead, I was put on a plane, alone, for the long flight home. I had to hide, not let friends know I was home, go to church, or anywhere else, because no scandal could come to light that would throw off my mom's reputation in ministry. My dad didn't speak to me when I got home for weeks as he struggled with his own feelings. My mom was angry and insisted that I get a pregnancy test at a local clinic alone. Later, my mom checked me into a hospital and left until the abortion was done. I was okay to go home. It was difficult to lay there and wait as the doctor was running late. I was quiet until it was time to go back to school. I had lost any sense of dignity at this point. It was okay to be used by guys after everything that had happened because my innocence had already been taken. I fell for it when a guy I dated for any period of time said he loved me, but was probably using me for sex. This continued until I found myself pregnant again. This time I was still scared, but my family situation hadn't changed. My boyfriend drove me to a clinic for another abortion. I had spiraled so far down a road I didn't understand. I told my parents everything. They were ashamed of me. My actions and disregard for what my parents and God thought was a very loud cry for help. They figured out by this time I needed help beyond anything they could do to ground me or threaten to take away my car. They took me to counseling after having a difficult time going to and staying at school. I lost my compass for a time. I will not forget you. Behold, I've inscribed you on the palm of my hands, says Isaiah 49, 15, and 16. I was lost, but the Lord had his hands on me even when I didn't feel him. I was engaged during my first year of college, Kevin's senior year of high school. He knew about my past and loved me anyway. We married in 1980 after a year of being engaged. On our one-year anniversary, Summer was a week and a half old. I lost two babies between my girls. After the second miscarriage, I was told I wouldn't be able to have another baby. I'm RH negative and sensitized. I was severely depressed. We envisioned a very large family. My grandparents came to stay with me and play with Summer while I got through this dark period. 
I went to a specialist that told me to wait until we got to a good place and could handle anything that would happen before trying to carry another baby. I felt God calling me to work at our new crisis pregnancy center, also referred to as the CPC, opening in our town. I went through weeks of intense training. This was the time I learned about abortion procedures, what actually happened to my body, as well as to the baby. I grieved all of my losses and had some incredible women counsel me through it. When the CPC opened, I understood each woman I met, spent time with, and what they were facing. They wouldn't have leave uneducated or without having the opportunity to hear about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. While I was still serving at the CPC, we thought we were in a good place and found that we were pregnant. My instructions were to stay out of a stressful situation, any stressful situations. And um, I went to go tell my mom and my dad that I was pregnant, and I was informed that my parents were getting a divorce this time. My dad had already moved out. Three years and two weeks later to the day from our days, from the day Summer was born, we welcomed our preemie baby, Brittany, into our family. She came six and a half weeks early. Four weeks after, a complete blood transfusion, complete life support, with a lung in need of development and feeding tubes, we got to bring her home. I had kept the habits of people-pleasing in my life. I had allowed terrible family relationships to take over my sweet family. I could never keep up and was sick a lot. One night, Kevin and I were having a casual evening talking. He had seen a drastic change in me. I had gotten to the point that I didn't want to get out of bed. I wasn't suicidal. There was no plan. There was just a very dark hole I couldn't crawl out of. Kevin told me that night if there was something I hadn't dealt with in my life, I could seek out help. The next morning, I called Minerth Meyer Clinics. This is a Christian clinic for all types of drastic issues that need to be dealt with. Something had come to the forefront of my mind that I didn't know what to do with as soon as Kevin spoke that night. I went down for an evaluation, and it was recommended that I check in for inpatient care. The thought of leaving my girls for any length of time made my heart sick. They brought me so much joy. I loved being a mom. However, I knew I couldn't get through the memories that now consume my mind and work through it while doing normal everyday life. Matthew 5.3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I was poor in spirit. My family deserved more. While my husband was trying to figure out what to say to his family, and he worked with a story uh, that I was going to camp. This is where the process of change in me began. I called all of his relatives to tell him I wasn't going to camp. But <laughs> instead... I, had, I was going to a clinic and had some difficult issues that I couldn't get through on my own. This allowed them to pray for us all. I stepped away from ministry and had someone take over my leadership role in small groups. Psalm 18.2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. As I began this journey, the Lord was and always had been all of these things to me. He wasn't going to let go now. Upon check-in, my bags were searched, and anything that could cause harm was taken away. I kept my hairbrush and clothes. I had to ask if I needed to shave, etc. I came with a very full suitcase. 
They unpacked it, both literally and figuratively, from the minute I stepped through their doors. The memories of what had always seemed a safe place, staying with my grandparents and cousins, were overshadowed by my cousin deciding to take advantage of his time without adults present and molested me. I was about 11 years old. I spent about the next 10 days at Minerth Meyer having to report the incident since I had never told anyone, and I was a minor at the time, and dealing with all of my past and present. I was 31 years old when I left for Minerth Meyer. I learned, studied, and journaled through the memories, the trauma, and effects that it had even as I was raising my two daughters. I learned about boundaries, safe people, healthy relationships, marital issues. I worked hard and soaked up everything I was learning and processing. I was taught about the victim stamp I had on my forehead. Predators look for and can see a stamp like a neon sign. By the time I left, that stamp had been erased. God's abundance and gracious heart for his daughter was ever-present. My girls felt like I had been gone for months. I made immediate changes in my relationships and set very firm boundaries. I met with my dad and talked through um, with him and asked him difficult questions about my childhood. I had been counseled to share my journal with one person I trusted and would hold me accountable for the changes that I had committed to. Outside of that person, I didn't feel the need to disclose what had happened to anyone other than my immediate family. Questions and blame, combined with shame, came from the beginning from my immediate family. At that point, getting my house in order with Kevin and the girls was all that mattered. I forgave my mom and sister over the years as they dealt with their own feelings. I could forgive them in my heart and move forward without resolution or discussing it further with either one. Forgiveness for the abusers in my life came from Christ alone. Isaiah 58, 8. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Years later, as we went into full-time missions, I had the tremendous honor of working with a ministry called Wellspring of Living Water. This ministry is for women coming out of all types of unhealthy lifestyles. I worked alongside these women as they began to heal six days a week. We journaled and processed together as I had done so many years before. I now understood the way God would use all things together. I learned how to take these beautiful broken women to the Father in prayer and allow him to heal their wounds, teach them boundaries, save people, bring joyful memories long forgotten to mind, and rid the enemy of the foothold he had in their lives. Working with women continues to bring joy, no matter how difficult. Watching, bearing witness to the Father making all things new is such a tremendous honor. I've been abundantly blessed to raise two beautiful women, that love the Lord, and they serve him well. Today, here's where I am today. Psalm 34, 5. If you look to him for help, he will put a smile on your face. You will have no need to be ashamed. I can smile because he has taken the guilt and the shame. I can smile, I can laugh and cry. I am not the sum of what I do or what I've done, but I am defined and refined by the one to whom I look. First Peter 5.10, Yes, you will suffer for a short time, but after that, God will make everything right. He will make you strong. He will support you and keep you from falling. 
He is the God who gives all grace. He chose you to share in his glory of Christ. That glory will continue forever. Amen. Our time on this earth is short. God is my great strength and fortress to run into in times of trouble. Trouble still comes. But I know where to go and how to stand up under it. I can celebrate with him for each trial we go through together and every good gift he has given me. I have to share with you why I have peace that passes all understanding. My Redeemer, I have an abundant life because God sent his only son to die on the cross for my sin, my guilt, and my shame. He took it all for me, for you. John 3.16 was one of the very first verses I ever memorized as a small child. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In John 11.25-26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Thank you for the opportunity to share my, his story on my life. Um, well, I don't really look back and remember any of the stories from my family about my mom going to camp. Um, I will tell you that those 10 days felt like a month for me. Um, I was about 12 years old when my mom went to Minerth Meyer Clinic um, I just remember her being gone and feeling the hole. Um, I remember trying to take care of my dad and my sister and trying to prepare meals and get her ready for school. Um, I remember my dad trying to um, pull out board games like Sorry in Life um, just to take our attention away from uh, what was obviously missing. Um, I will tell you that, and I look back, that was a turning point for us in our family. Um, I had always had a great relationship with my parents, um, always was fostered with unconditional love and openness and discussion. Um, that had never changed at all. Um, and if I back up a few steps, I, uh, just to let you know, I accepted Christ at the age of five. Um, so this wasn't a change in us loving Jesus at all. Um, we had always had that. But this was about healing and about learning to process the things that happened. After she got back, I distinctly remember our conversations turned. Um, she started asking a lot more questions about our behavior, um, not just giving us consequences. I, we did have consequences for our behavior, but um, there was a lot more discussion about the heart behind our behavior that went along with that. Um, <laughs> the best example and a long-running joke between us, um, I was a freshman in college and home on a long weekend. My cousin and I had decided that um, we would get together at about 8 o'clock at night and go out for a night of dancing on the town. Um, I had chosen to wear a dress that did not leave much to the imagination um, and wore a trench coat to try to conceal said dress as I left the house. Um, I think my mom, seeing me in this dress, knew exactly where I was going, or my coat, knew where I was going, knew what I was doing. Um, and also knew that I was 18 and kind of bent on where I wanted to go. And so instead of asking me questions like, hey, where are you going? What time are you going to be home? Um, she started engaging me in conversation like, hey, how's college? How's your roommate? What classes are you taking again? How are those going? 
Um, we had about a four-hour conversation that night. Uh, the conversation did not let up, and at some point, I gave up any hope of going out. Um, However, going to bed that night and waking up in the morning, uh, I kind of realized upon waking up exactly what my mom had done. This was an intentional conversation intended to sway me from not going out at all. Um, And sitting there in my bed that morning, I just remember thinking, what am I doing? Um, What choices am I making? And is this who I really want to be? These three months of trying to be out until 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and wanting to be a rebellious 18-year-old were just leaving me empty and not worthwhile at all. Um, This is the things that mom taught me most of all. How to deeply and prayerfully stop and process my actions, my words, and where the decisions I was making, where were they really taking me? Um. That is really what Men Earth Meyer meant for me. It meant that I had a mom that was not struggling through her own emotions and was actually able to see me and my heart and where I was. Um, I realized that there may be some of you guys in the audience that think, hey, my past is behind me. Um, I'm long past it. I'm a mom now, and I'm married. Um, And I'm here to tell you that whether it's choices that you made in your past or whether it's choices that were made for you, they still affect you. Um, But today, I get to stand here and speak for your sons and daughters. I get to be the one to tell you that um, it makes a difference for us whether or not you hang on to those things, whether you continue in sin patterns, or whether you continue to hide shame and guilt. Um, Those things will be passed on to your children, um, and it will affect how you decide to parent. Um, It has been an enormous benefit for me and my marriage and my kids that my mom dealt with her past. Galatians 5.1 says, it's for freedom that he sets us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Ultimately, I've grown up understanding that freedom comes only through Christ. Because of mom learning to deal with her past, I've been raised with the freedom that doesn't require me to be perfect, with the freedom to boast in my weaknesses so that God can be glorified. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. It doesn't mean that my mom was a perfect parent or that I was without struggles of my own. But it did mean that in the times that I wanted to be a rebellious teen and leave the house in these clothes, she was able to see me. It did mean that when I was struggling with eating issues, we sat down and talked about what it meant to be healthy. It did mean that when I made the wrong friend choices, I had been taught what healthy relationships look like, and I was able to quickly change my friend circles. It did mean that she actively taught me my value lies in Christ alone. It meant that I had the support I needed to navigate all the tough issues that every girl faces. And it means that I now have these tools to turn around and pass on to my own daughter. Ultimately, it meant that she was in a healthy place to see me and help guide me forward. It's because of the freedom from her past that I freely understand who my creator is, freely understand the work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection for the forgiveness of my sins without any of her past struggles clouding that perception, Um, without any of her issues becoming my own. Uh, Whether you know it or not, your past will find a way to haunt you. It's in 1 Peter 2.9, it says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. As his daughters, we've been called out of darkness into his wonderful light so that we can declare his praises. It's when we walk in that light and we understand that freedom is found in Christ alone 
It's then and only then that you can teach your children how to walk in your own footsteps of freedom. Thank you, ladies. Thank y'all for being um, authentic and for sharing. And uh, what a great story of really just even humility. You know, I think that's where, that's probably a starting point for every one of us to be, to be humble. Um, and I just, I think about a verse from James 4. Um, <clears throat> Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And what a beautiful picture of being humble enough to get the help that, that you might need and humble enough to uh, come before the Lord with any sin patterns you have and how that affects the next generation. And that is such a, we have such a high calling as moms to be able to, um, you know, come before the Lord and let him change us. And so we're going to talk about some more of that just right now. Um, thank y'all for sharing. What a beautiful story. Very inspiring. And it's, and, and, and the focus was on the Lord. That was the work that he did. And, and um, so I love that. Um, so I love this verse from Romans six twelve. It talks about, um, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't, don't offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And that's what it's really all about, offering yourself to the Lord, because you won't always get it right. But if we have a pure heart and we humble ourselves, we will um, move in the right direction. We know from 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new cre the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. What hope that is, that through Jesus Christ, we can overcome our past, our sinful habits, um, anything that entangles us. And so right now I just want to spend a few minutes talking about how we get from desiring to do the right thing, like we talked about um, from that other Romans verse, um, to, to being a new creation. How do we get there? How do we actually become, you know, anchored in freedom and freedom uh, so that we know our identity is not in our past or our sinful habits, but our identity is really in Christ. How do we stop that spiral of sin? And we look back at Eve, and we looked at her, how her story, how it began. It began with the, the thought, and it was in the mind. And you see my spiral right there, little clip art, because it, it kind of starts in the mind, and we can um, let Satan tell us these things, and we can listen to them. We can um, think about them. We can uh, dwell on them. We can um, really uh, just plant ourselves in them. Um, uh, but, but we're going to talk in just a minute about how we can replace them as well. Then we talked about how we can look and see something. And again, that's for, for sometimes when we, we go, to, like we think it's an innocent trip to the mall, but then we see something and that causes us to, you know, t go toward those sinful habits or we see a friend doing this or doing that. And then finally, where we take action. And um, so we want to talk about those three things today. Um, but they all really start with humility. And that is seeing yourself for who you are um, that you are dearly loved, but that you also were born with a, with a, a sinful bent, a sinful nature. Um, so I just want to talk about that first one of just the mind control, because I think that that is a, a really great place to start. And that's where humility comes as well. Um, there's a story in Luke that talks about 
Let me just read it. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept and clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go and live there. And the final condition of the person is worse than the first. And so my thought there is you can't just be void of thoughts. You can't just get rid of the thought and, um, and, not, and not replace it with something else. If you think about it, like people talk about, oh, I can't fall asleep, which you probably can't imagine that right now. <laughs> but, but, you know, if you can't fall asleep, you're going to count sheep. And the, it's kind of like the same idea. You have to replace those thoughts. And thought life is a really important aspect of dealing with sin in your, in your life. Because if you're allowing yourself to dwell on negative thoughts about your husband, then I, I can almost promise you that's going to turn into action or that's going to turn into words or that's going to turn into something else. It starts in the mind. And so um, I would just say for me, when I had the, the fear and anxiety, which is not gone, but I feel like I have taken ground in it, um, the fear and worry and anxiety, I, had to, I can't just think, I'm not going to think about the fact that they might get in a wreck. I'm just not going to think about it. I'm, I needed to replace it with something else. And so for me, what really changed, honestly changed my life, and I know when you say it, you're going to be like, I can't do that, but it was memorizing scripture because I, had to, I couldn't just not think about the bad or the worry or the uh, past or the anything else. I had to replace it with something else, and what better than God's word? And so for me, I would try to um, have, if I was going to work on a scripture, and, and I would memorize different ones for different times in my life. Like if I was really discontent, there's a great section from Philippians 4 that I learned about being content. But I would pick a scripture of something that I might be struggling with and just really work on it. And I would have it with me wherever I went. I would try to have it with me uh, you know, on my phone for sure and maybe take a screenshot of it so I could get to it easily. I would ha maybe have it as a screensaver on my computer. I would have it on a note card. I would have it near my makeup area and in my purse when I dug in my purse. I would have it in the car everywhere I went so that I could see the scripture because I think the more you come across it, the more, even if you just read it over and over, I think you need to replace negative thoughts, spiraling thoughts, anxiety, worry, all those kind of things. Replacing it with God's word is a great um, a great way um, to do that. Um, then uh, we, we talked about our eyes and what we see and, and um, what entangles you. And, and I talked about this a little bit, but like this Facebook cause you to be drugged down. Recently I saw like a group of friends had gone to Kappa Tablescapes. I wasn't invited. I'm like, hmm. And I mean, I really like, I just spiraled into they don't like me. They hate me. No one likes, you know, from like they did this one thing to like everyone in the whole wide world hates me and I'm completely unworthy. And that was total mind control or lack of it. And so we got to capture our thoughts because we can, same thing. Oh, my husband didn't open the door for me in the car. Oh, he probably hates me. He probably thinks I'm fat. He probably is having an affair. Like, boom, boom, boom. And it's just because, like, he didn't open the door. You know, like, don't let yourself go there. But I, as a woman, I think it's possible, and by your laughter, I'm thinking it's possible we do that. We go from one little thing, and we just boom, boom, spiral, spiral, you know. And, um, and so we have to take our thoughts captive. That's a really important thing. And, and, and what we allow ourselves to see. And so Facebook is a choice to look at or to not look at. And so, so I still enjoy it. I mean, I love especially seeing like, you know, my kids in college if, or my, all of them. At, they're at, my, at a wedding or they're at a party or whatever. So I enjoy that, but I have to really guard myself. And same thing with Instagram. Um, and even like nowadays with the election stuff, I mean, you can read an article and get all bent out of shape 
And again, you chose to go on Facebook. And so just be careful. Same thing with Pinterest. Like I love to pin recipes, sometimes make them, but I love to pin them <laughs> and, um, and decorating ideas and all, you know, all those kind of things. But, but there's probably like, I don't, I purposely don't follow a bunch of home, home things because that is a weakness for me. Like I know that I have a weakness toward wanting a, a bigger, better, well, more well-decorated home than I have. I mean, that is crazy, but I know that it's true. And so I have to guard myself. When I was, I finally realized when I was probably y'all's age, like I really felt like everyone in my life was getting the bigger, nicer house. And so I had to watch myself, like, I, like don't go to open houses. Like I would go and then I would just get this whole discontent circle thing going. Um, Pinterest is the same kind of thing where it's like, for me, I, can't, I, I don't need to go and buy home and garden magazines because that would just be like, you know, get me in this negative spiral. And so let what you allow in your, with your eyes, if you are entangled at the mall, don't go to the mall. Like if your friend says, let's meet at North Park Courtyard, look, can we go to Chick-fil-A, you know, on Southwestern or whatever. Guard your eyes and what you see because it will entangle you. It will drag you down into sinful habits, sinful thoughts, and um, sinful actions. Um, so, and also, um, like we go on. So, remember, she was fed the information where she doubted God's goodness. So, the thought process started for Eve. And then she saw the good looking fruit and she thought, I want some of that. And then she acted on it. So, when it comes to actions, we, we want to be anchored in freedom. And so, we want to control the thoughts, control what we see, and control where we go, like physically where we go, like I just said with the mall. Also, this can be with who you hang with. I mean, I had friends that would constantly um, get me in a, in a negative place, uh, you know, emotionally, like maybe question everything that I did, or they would plant thoughts, or they would make me feel in a certain way. And so, not that I'm not going to be friends, but I'm going to guard myself. Or maybe there's a group of people that you're with that causes you, before you know it, you're gossiping. So watch yourselves, watch your mind, watch what you see, and watch what you do. And so today we're going to talk about just, we've talked about this year with the anchors. They anchored in um, faith and anchored in simplicity in September and October. Now we're going to talk about being anchored in freedom from the sin that so easily entangles. And so I talked a little bit about, um, so we've got our anchor up here that was swaying. Did you notice that earlier? Swaying back and forth. But we talked about the, the ocean and how when you walk in the ocean, you think it's such a beautiful, wonderful place to be. And then there's this tugging and sometimes it just flat knocks you over. But sometimes it's just like this tugging, like I want to do what's right, but I just can't. And so um, we're going to talk a little bit about some things that we can do. You have see my little beachy theme going here. And I don't in any way mean to, to make light of sin because it's not something to make light of. I just have some visuals here that might ho- help you um, have a visual of, of how you can, what you can do to take ground in sin and how, and, and how you can um, just be uh, anchored in, in God's freedom. So we're going to start with just my anchor in front of me because God and his word are our anchor. That's what you want to learn to rely on. That's what you want to have your hope and your, um, and your uh, thoughts and everything relied on the anchor of Jesus Christ. Um, how can we become ship-shaped? I, got, I just went crazy on this whole same thing. Uh, so, and we know that our Savior, He's our anchor, right? And so if that means, like you're thinking, I don't know what that means, please come talk to us. We want to talk to you about this. Jesus Christ is your hope. He is the one that um, can save you from your sins, and He is the one that died for our sins because we have uh, a, a payment because we're not perfect. 
And so through Jesus Christ, he paid for us. And I, I grew up knowing about Jesus. I, I grew up listening to Bible stories and I knew about him. And I thought that seemed reasonable or I thought that seemed true, but I didn't know I had to take a step. I had to take action. I had to ask him into my heart. It wasn't just about knowing about him. I know about George Washington and I know about Abraham Lincoln. I know about other historical figures, but Jesus Christ, placing your trust in him is not the same. It's taking a step forward. It's, re, it's responding to the gift of, uh, that he has given us through the death on a cross. So how can we become ship-shaped? Let's talk about that. Use our anchor. Stand firm using your anchor. I love the verse from um, 614. That's a whole great section of scripture on um, clothing, your, on, on uh, having, uh, having Jesus standing firm with the truth, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And it goes on and on about the things to put on. And I love that standing firm in what you know and what you believe and standing firm in him, relying on him. And then we go on and we see that we want to clothe ourselves. And, um, and it's interesting because if you think about, um, we really, uh, when you clothe yourself, generally you have to take off something else, right? Maybe except after a shower or other things. Um, but you want to clothe yourselves with the right mental attitude. So you're having to take off something else. So maybe you're taking off bitterness you're, and you're leaving it at the cross of Christ. You're taking off anger or um, hatred or all the negative things so that you can put on what Jesus would want us to put on. Um, and we don't, have, we don't have strength to do these things alone. We need him. We need him to be our anchor, and we need to stand firm in him, and we need to clothe ourselves with the proper clothing, just like you would if you were going to the beach. You wouldn't wear you know, a nice uh, outfit or high heels, or you wouldn't wear winter clothes if you were going to the beach in the summer. So clothing yourself um, with the proper things. From Ephesians 6, 11, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And the full armor of God included that, um, a, a whole bunch of things about truth and, and a helmet of salvation and a, um, all kinds of things that we want to put on so that we can stand against the devil's schemes. We also want to clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ from Romans 13, 14. And don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. When you think about how you're going to get back at somebody who's wronged your child, then that is gratifying the desires of the flesh. And we want to clothe ourselves with Jesus and his word. From Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And again, it's not about just, you know, like I am just going to buckle up and do it myself. It's surrendering to him and letting him do those things. But we have to choose them. We have to choose to surrender to him. First Peter 5, 5, and clothe yourselves with humility. Again, like I was talking about, to humble yourselves, to admit the sin in your life, and to take ground and move towards it. Um, and so uh, putting Jesus first is how we can begin to clothe ourselves with the right things that we need to be anchored. Um, the next thing is we want to observe the red flags. And you know there's red flags in your life. We've talked about a little of them so, so far, but it's kind of the physical aspect. Be prepared before storms occur. If you know that a family gathering is going to um, entangle you, then you need to prepare yourself beforehand with God's word and scripture and having thought through um, a, you know, an exit plan or whatever it is that you might need to love other people well. So be alert to your sin patterns. And that would be like if you are, I know you're tired, so I'm, I'm just going to leave that one out. But if, you are, if you're in a rush, then you're more likely to, to maybe lash out or to... to act in anger or to be harsh. Um, alcohol, junk food, anything that you put in your house that is 
an entrapment for you, think about that and, and choose to watch the red flags and the warning signs, the people you're with, and then physically flee and um, get those things, get away from those things as best you can. Is it a, is it a restaurant? Is it a lunch bunch or a group of people, an overly talkative friend, a negative friend? Um, what are the things that you need to uh, physically observe the red flags and take action? When there's red flags up at the beach, then you know, don't go in the water. And if you do, you better be really, really careful. And so that's the kind of red flag that I'm talking about. Who and when and where you go, it matters. From 2 Timothy 2.22, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a good heart, out of a pure heart. So watch the red flags and then take note of them. Don't just see them, but take note and take action accordingly. Take um, protect your mind and body. Just like you apply sunscreen and you might wear a sun hat, you might wear sunglasses, we need to protect ourselves with the Word of God. And that would be, what, again, watching what you allow yourself to see. And the thing about all of those things, like with sunscreen, you got to reapply. This is not a one-time deal, right? So you can't just um, read your Bible on Sunday and then think you're good for the whole week because you need to reapply and be in God's Word and be in prayer and be around other people that sharpen you. It's not a one-time thing. A hat wearing a hat covers your head. It protects what you allow in. Again, like we talked about the mental aspect of it. I love this verse, and this was a good one for me to memorize from Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so sometimes if you start to think about, I wonder if I wasn't invited to that thing. I wonder if they hate me. I wonder if, uh, I, if I did more, if my husband would you know, love me more. Or I wonder if I did this or did that, or I need to do this like, okay, is it true? Well, maybe it's true. Is it um, noble? Prob that like cuts out a lot of thoughts right there. There's not that many noble thoughts out there. But if you go through that, you know, that little filter, whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, think about those things that are excellent and praiseworthy. So controlling your thoughts, um, putting the hat on, the physical, you know, protecting your mind. Another one that I love is from Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. So even if everybody else is doing it, that doesn't mean you need to. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, how do you renew your mind? With the Word of God. It's hard probably to do it on your own. It's, prob it's hard to do it on Netflix or on, on Facebook or on the Internet. So control, control your mind and be transformed by God's Word, by prayer. Another thing that I think is really important is to be thankful. Um, I met with a gal the other day that somebody put me in touch with, and she was... All these things were wrong, and there were some real difficulties, but I was able to point to her some things, how God had been very faithful to her in her life, and, um, and to show her to be thankful, because a thankful heart is hard to be a disgruntled or a, a complaining and grumbling heart. So thankfulness is really important. Um, the next thing is just like, like we need to refresh ourselves. Just like if you go to the beach, you take water with you, right, for your, or for your children, you have a drink, and so... Deep, deeply drinking from God's Word and refreshing yourself with it. And um, it's better when you have it, but it's best when it's inside. So again, memorizing it. I love the verse, and it's so applicable with you all with little bitties, but 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. And so I would just ask you to think about that. You're not going to feed your baby pizza, right? So pure spiritual milk. And so for you, it's not 
have pizza. I'm, I'm good with pizza. But for you, it means using God's word. It means don't feed yourself a bunch of junk and a bunch of stuff on TV and the latest, you know, binge on Netflix. Not that there's anything necessarily about that, but you know when you've gone over the line. And so just to um, refresh yourself with the word of God and with Jesus. Um, and watch your attitudes. Again, like I said about, it could, they can spiral so quickly from something that's not terribly harmful to something that is terribly harmful. The next thing is watch where you go. Just like you're going to not wear your high heels to the beach, watch your footing. Watch where you go. Watch the things that entangle you and where, and where that is. I love the verse from Isaiah 30, 21, where you, whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I love that because um, we, uh, God will tell us where to go. Um, the other thing is sometimes at the beach you might collect seashells. And I would encourage you, whenever, you know, if you go to things like this or you read a book or you have a handout or something, put them all in one place that you can go back to them because we want to collect those nuggets and hang on to them. Um, Proverbs 2, 2 talks about, my, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, then it goes on to say that, that you will, that, that's where you want to be, that you want to store the truths, to know the truths, and to, um, to collect them like you would a shell. Then the next thing we've talked about a little bit is just swab the decks. Sometimes we just need to be humble before the Lord and confess our sins. That's a really important step in all of this, that we need to, to, to come before him and admit our sins. And that's why we had the little reflection time in a few minutes, we're going to get to share with each other. And, you know, share as you feel led. We're not telling you have to bear everything. But there is a cleansing factor to being able to share with somebody else. In Bible study, we pray at the beginning, the leaders from ACTS, which is A, adoration, focusing on God's qualities. Then we go to confession. And so we do it out loud. And I can't tell you how many times, every single time I'm like, oh, yeah, me too. Oh, yeah, me too. Oh, and me too. But it, it helps to share with one another. So it may not be about... You know, oh, I don't want to tell people I struggle with yelling at my kids because they don't know. Well, it may help them because that, that, it may bring out something in them that they didn't see or they didn't know, or it gives them just um, some hope that you can, uh, we're all sinners and we're all fall short of God's glory. Um, and then the last thing, or a couple, little bit more, but if you feel like you're drowning and if you feel like I really can't do this alone, we've given you a resource, a list at your table of all the different ministries that Watermark offers um, from Regen, where you can deal with your hurts, habits, and hangups, to uh, various ministries where you, if, if you have a hurt in your past or you have, you know, difficulties, there's all kind of things. And then also be open to what the Lord would have you. Do you need community to come around you, or do you need uh, a higher level of a ministry, or do you need uh, maybe uh, a professional help, or even inpatient? What is it that you that the Lord is calling you to get to get so that you can move forward, like like they shared. Um, and so the other thing about the beach is don't, you don't go to the beach alone, right? Although that probably sounds pretty nice sometimes. <laughs> but generally, you don't. And so we need community. We need each other. We need attitudes that are not critical or judgmental, but that are loving and accepting, but also hold you accountable. Because to just share your baggage with somebody and they don't try to, st to spur you on, that doesn't really do a whole lot of good. But um, Hebrews tw 10, 24 talks about let us consider how many how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. So to share with a group that is safe and then to have them, to give them permission to hold you accountable to move forward and to be less entangled in your sin. Um, and then my last one is just deflate so that he can inflate. And so here's my big 
Big Beach Ball from Amazon Prime, which can also be a sin habit. Um, I love Amazon Prime, but I did order this on Tuesday, and here it is. Um, but you think about that. Like, we're all full of something right now, right? And only when we deflate, when I, when I pull the plug and I let it deflate, can then I be inflated with Jesus Christ and with his love and with his uh, words and with prayer. And he gives us a way to come to him. Um, that's going to be, we've already done that. Okay, so uh, that would just be my charge to you. Have this mental picture of this giant beach ball. I have to deflate so that he can inflate. And there's no other way to do it. And so come before him humbly. And um, I would just say from John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Um, and so I would just say that we want to we be anchored in truth. We want to be anchored in um, faith and simplicity and be anchored in freedom because Jesus Christ paid the price for us. So let me pray, and I want you to spend a few minutes um, with your discussion questions and being authentic because I think that's a great and important step in taking ground. So thank you. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for, uh, we do thank you for your word that you've given to us. We thank you that we can refer back to it anytime we want. And I pray that we would take ground with our sinful habits, Lord. We want to be like you, and we want to hear from you. We want to be around others that spur us on to you. So, Father, we pray that you would provide for our needs. Help us to humble ourselves, submit ourselves to you, to um, resist the devil, and that he will flee from us. Help us to come near to you and wash our hands from the sins that entangle us. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these women. Pray for rich discussion right now. In Jesus' name, amen.